Take your Bible and turn to Psalm 33. Psalm 33. We're continuing our series in the Psalms, um, and we are in Book 1. We've done five of the Psalms in Book 1, which is Psalm 1 through 41. And um, I'm not sure, I'm kind of going week to week as to which Psalm to cover. Uh, um, if, if it were up to me, I'd just cover them all. They're wonderful. I, I'm loving being in the Psalms. But we do, need, um, we do need to hear from the rest of Scripture. Even though Luther said the Psalms, which if, if you, it's, it's kind of nice if you open your Bible to the middle. If you're not familiar with where all the books are, you're pretty close to the Psalms. Um, it's, Luther said this book in the middle of the Bible, the collection of songs, the Psalms, are like a little Bible. And so we branch out from this into all, all of Scripture. We are beginning a series, a new series, that's going to be interspersed with the Psalms. And um, it's a series in Philippians. And so one of my roles here is not simply just to preach, but rather to equip the saints for ministry especially our men, to pastor their homes and to handle God's word. And so we have a number of, of, of men who've gone through the, the Dig and Discover um, word partner training on how to study their Bible. And so we have a series in Philippians. And myself and, and uh, Nick Kellogg's heading up the series. And we have a number of guys, I think eight guys, seven or eight guys, who are going to, through the next eight, ten months, going to be taking a passage at least once a month in preaching through Philippians. So along with the Psalms, we're going to, to interject these messages from Northbridge men in the book of Philippians. And I know that you will find that a great joy and challenge as we work through that, work through that book as well. <clears throat> this particular psalm is a psalm of confidence in the strength of the Lord. Um, it's a psalm of confidence in the strength of the Lord. In fact, um, it, there's a series of these psalms, Psalm 33 through 37, have that same theme that run through all of those particular psalms, that we can have confidence in our great God. We, we looked at last week, Psalm 23, which was in this series of psalms organized here um, in this collection of psalms that actually traces the entire story of the Bible and from creation all the way to resurrection and final judgment. In, in Psalm 27, another section begins, and it's confidence while worshiping, that we can have confidence while worshiping. And, and that is, is Psalm 27 through 32, that we can have confidence while worshiping. Psalm 33 erupts as a hymn of praise in the content of our worship, in the center of our worship, which is Jesus Christ, that we can have strength in him. And so these next psalms um, are these hymns of praise. They were meant to be sung, used in worship in the temple. So let me read for you this particular psalm, and then we're going, um, we going to look at the psalm. And, and we're, we're going to look at what's here, and I've got an outline. It's the structure of this psalm. is It's, it's a hymn, um, so that, that has a particular structure. Um, it is a repetitive. It's that A, B, sometimes A, B, B, A, repetitive um, structure. Um, and so we can work our way down um, through, through the different ideas that lead 
um, through this particular, um, particular psalm. But this psalm is not, um, as all of Scripture is not, simply for our mind. He said, when we preach and teach, we preach and teach for transformation. Here's what I hope. This is my prayer. When you think about confidence, what is that? What is confidence? Well, certainly there has to be something cognitive, right? Uh, Or if you're just a confident person and there's not a lot of cognition, you're in trouble. That's gullible, right? So there has to be cognition. There has to be an object of what we're confident in. There has to be strength in that object that we're confident in. But ultimately, what I want you to see and what I hope happens is that your heart, this does something to your emotion, right, that activates your will, right? So in order for that to take place, we have to do what we just practiced. We have to repent and say, oh, my confidence has been somewhere else in something else. What is that? Oh, we are so easily moved into idolatry. Self-confidence, confidence in other people, confidence in things. Here, the psalmist is praising God and saying, this is the one place that my confidence rests. So I do hope that you are transformed by the renewing of your mind in this song. I, I hope that it affects and pray that it affects your emotion, and then out of your thinking and emotion that you will will, right? Your will transformed by God's grace to follow him, however the Spirit leads you through this particular scripture. And we will, we will take some time to respond, and like Cody said, um, do, use that, um, do use the connection card. Um, to, to inform us, let us know, ask questions, ask for help. Let's read the psalm together. Psalm 33, beginning in verse 1. <clears throat> What's that first word? Oh, that's good. Let's do it again. What's that first word? Shout, Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Make melody to him with the harp and ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. For the word of the Lord is upright and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by, his breath, by, the, by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. He gathers the waters of the sea in a heap and puts the deep in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. The Lord brings the counsel of nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generation. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people whom he has chosen as his heritage. The Lord looks down from heaven and he sees the children of man. 
Where he sits enthroned, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashions the heart of all of them and observes all their deeds. The king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation, and by its great might, it cannot rescue. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love, that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield, for our heart is glad in him. Because we trust in his holy name, let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. This is the word of the Lord. We'll organize this morning's message um, into three points. Um, First, we have the call to praise. There is the call to praise. It's the call to worship in in this passage. And then we have the content of praise. We we could actually say it's the reason we're praising. Um, But he's not here. If you look at it, he's not saying, hey, I want you to praise. Let me give you a few reasons. No, he's actually doing it, right? So it's content. It's not simply reason. But, but I would put it out there and say, if you're struggling to praise God, these are reasons. Look at how he's praising. Look at the content of this song. These are reasons that you ought to put your trust in him. If you don't know Christ as Savior, these are reasons to base your life And life to come, life and death, on the only source of salvation, that is Jesus. And so we see the content of praise. And then we see contentment in the one we praise. Contentment in the one. Where is it that our heart falls, both in strength and contentment and rest? It is clearly, squarely, on Jesus Christ. So those, those are, that's how we're going to organize um, the message to our minds and our hearts and our will this morning as we look at um, the, the word of God and ask the spirit of God um, to direct us. So let's look at this call. It says, shout to the Lord, O you righteous, praise befits the upright. If you're in Christ, you are a worshiper. And this is fitting that you praise. And it says, shout to the Lord, right? Now, we're not a shouty church right? Um, you know, we don't get a whole lot of woohoo, woo, you know, that kind of like shouting, but you do say amen. You do say hallelujah. That's what it's talking about here. That befits you to say it is so, right? That, that's what you're saying in this praise. Amen means it is so. It is right. And so you're praising God. That is a good thing when we come together in the house of God to lift our voices in praise. This is a poem. This is a song that was sung. The Psalms were meant to be sung. Our voices are meant to be raised aloud. And here we have the use of um, the, the shout. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory. Praise the Lord. It is befitting to someone who has the blood of Jesus on their account, who has been forgiven to say, all glory be to God. And notice here, it says, give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Make 
melody to him with the harp and the ten strings. Um, this is the introduction, and pretty typically, um, as from, from what we know, pretty typically in music, these instruments would lead the introduction to the song. And so he, there's, there's something that's happening that's twofold. One is it's speaking about the actual song and the playing of music. But before this chorus of praise, what is happening? It's thanksgiving, right? That when we understand what God has done for us, there's a natural response of joyous praise that wells up and just cannot be contained. Amen? Right. Putting a little into practice. It's application right there. It wells up inside of us, and we praise naturally out of the understanding of what God has done for us, and it fits. It fits. It's characteristic of a heart that has been transformed, and thanksgiving goes before it. Now, something I want you to notice in verse 3, it says, Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. What is this new song? Sing to him a new song. We look at that, and we, we do have new songs in worship, and, and it is fitting that we have a song book in, in, in the Bible that we sing the psalms. And there are different kinds of psalms. There are, um, there are hymns, and this is a hymn. Um, there, are, there is this new song that is a psalm, and it is a type of psalm. Um, look in your Bibles, um, just go over a bit, a few pages to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 42, Isaiah chapter 42. Now, what is Isaiah's role in the nation of Israel? What is he doing? He is a prophet, right? He's telling of things to come. He's telling of things to come. Look what he says in verse 10. He says this in Isaiah 42, 10. Sing to the Lord a new song, his praise from the ends of the earth, you who go down to the sea and all that fills it. Now what's happening in this chapter? Look at verse 1. Behold, my servant whom I uphold, my chosen, that should give you an idea of who this is, in whom I, my soul delights, I've put my spirit on him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break. A, a, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth. He contends, or, uh, the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. Thus says God, the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched out them, who spread out the earth from which it comes from, who gives breath to all people in it, and the spirit who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant people a light for the nations to open the eyes of the blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison who sits in darkness, I am the Lord, that is my name, my glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare before they spring forth. I tell you of them, sing to the Lord a new song. Oh, he's telling, 
that the Messiah is coming. He's going to rule with justice. He's going to judge and he's going to conquer. Now go over in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9. Revelation 5 and verse 9. Now, it's, this is at the back of your book. It's the back of the Bible. What's happening at the back of the Bible? Are they past things at the back? Or are they future things at the back? Well, there's some of, a little of both, if we're really technical. It's a little of both. It's connecting the past to the future through Christ. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9 says, And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals. For you were slain by the blood of your ransom, by, by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. And, and later it says, worthy is the lamb who is slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. What is this new song? This new song is not the song of the promised Messiah who is to come. This new song is the song of the Messiah who has come, who has died, who has rose again, who has begun the kingdom of God through his death, burial, and resurrection, and is putting all things, all his enemies, under his feet. He is the conquering king. That is the song that as his church, we are to sing the new song, Jesus came, he lived, he died, he rose again, he reigns on high. That is the new song. Sing this new song. And we're going to see how that works out here, this call to praise. The content of the praise is simply this, that Jesus is the king. The Messiah is the king, that he is God, and we can trust in him. Look first at the word the word of God is verses 4 through 9 as we look at the content of our praise. Um, the, the word of God. Verse 4, it says, By the word of the Lord, the, for the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteous and justice. The earth is full of the steadfastness, of the steadfast love of the Lord. His, his word begins with the word that it's upright. That things are happening in the world because of the steadfast love of the Lord. This is where we get new eyes to look at the world. We look at the world through the word of God. If you look at the, the world with your eyes, right, that aren't that old, maybe you have old eyes and you need these kinds of things. You will see the world skewed. You won't see reality. What does the word of God do? It corrects. It informs. It, it helps us understand the world around us. And we see what, what is God doing in the world. Friends, what is God doing in the world? When you look out, do you understand that the world is full of the steadfast love of the Lord? Or do you say, like, oh, man. This world's out of control. 
I feel so helpless. I better turn on the news and watch another story. Oh, there are bad things in the world happening. We are all too well informed. But think about this. God is working towards his appointed end. The world is full of his steadfast love. This is what we get when we come to worship. It's confidence in God that we can say with our brothers and sisters in in places that cannot worship like this. They will read this as well and say the world is full of the steadfast love of God. It's because of his word. Here we see that how can we believe this? Well, look at the next verse. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Right? Hebrews 11.3 says this. For by faith we understand the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. The visible came out of nothing. And by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. Look at verse 9. For he spoke and it came into being. He commanded and it stood firm. Listen, is that the God that you worship? Is that the God that you worship who speaks and it comes into being? Nothing is out of his, he made everything. There's nothing out of his control. Everything is in his control. Look what he does. It says he gathers the water of the sea in a heap. He puts the deep in storehouses. In the Middle East, you have these torrential rains. And if you're not prepared and you don't create these dams and dam up these these wadis that become these flowing rivers, if you don't store up water when, when the rain comes, guess what? You have nothing. But here, this is a God who, who stores up what? All the water. He just puts it up in a heap if he wants to. He has, he has what is precious in an arid land. He never misses. He has it. He, he puts the deep in the storehouse. He puts the oceans in a bottle. It's not a bottle in the ocean. It's an ocean in a bottle. He says, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe before him. For he spoke and it came into being. He commanded and it stood firm. How can we believe that the earth is full of his steadfast love? When we look out, we'll know that he created everything. A God who created everything is sovereign over everything that is happening in the world. Trust him. Trust him. Second, the the content of the praise is the plan of God. Now, he created everything, but verses 10, 11, and 12 say, now he's working in this world. He is not the the one who makes the clock and winds it up and sets it in, in the corner and waits for the alarm to go off to return. No, he's active today. Look at verse 10. It says, the Lord brings the council of nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generation. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. 
the last part of verse 9 introduces the plans of God, that God is active in the plan. It says, for he spoke and it came into being. He commanded and it stood firm. You say, what, what, what's going on there? It's, it's what, what is called creation and the second creation. It's the deliverance of Israel. And so there's this play on words here. That's what poetry does, right? I know you guys in high school and in college, you wrote those beautiful love notes to your sweetheart, right? And you were like, how can I put this? Maybe I should go to the Song of Songs. No, I better not do that. (laughs) Right? And you wrote these beautiful words, you know, to your darling, right? You describe things in this language. That's what's happening here in this poetry in, in verse 9. He spoke and it came into being, creation. And he commanded and it stood firm. And the next thing is the thwarting of the, the plans of the nations. What stood firm? Well, it was the waters of the Red Sea. God created everything. And he also did what? He stood back the waters so that this new, redeemed nation in a picture of creation and baptism and redemption, it's a beautiful image of God who creates and God who saves by doing what? Thwarting the plans of the mightiest powers that exist on the planet. And look what you have. The Lord brings the counsel of nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of people. He's at work. He's at work and he's holding back plans that are not his plans. Why? Because verse 11, the counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Why is generational ministry so important? Well, it's commanded in Scripture. It's commanded in Scripture. But here it's promised in Scripture. His plan stands. Right? You might have an investing plan. I have just a few dollars in Bitcoin. I've finally broken even. (laughs) Don't follow my investing plan. I'm horrible. There's those people who can just do that and they're so smart. I'm lucky to break even. You might have a plan, plan for your life, a plan for investing, a plan for... God says, you know, you might say, hey, son, daughter, grandson, granddaughter, niece, nephew, neighbor kid, here's how to live, here's a good plan for your life, here's how to, here's the principles. Well, that better go right next to, this is God's plan. There's good wisdom in a lot of these things, but just know, ultimately, what stands forever is the plan that God has for the world. Oh, that should be the first plan that we're teaching and training and delivering, right? And contending for the gospel. Delivered to the saints, right? The old news, the good news. The news that will stand forever. Here he says that God's working from the top to the bottom. And here he says the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. That word chosen has to do with covenant. Covenant. God chose you. 
God chose the nation of Israel. God chose them because they were brilliant and smart, strong. No. He actually says, no, I, I chose them because there was nothing in them. I laid my grace upon them. God chose you not because of what you had to offer, but because he set his affection and his covenant by his blood upon you. You see, this is humbling, right? If you're here sitting in this seat and you know that, like, I'm a Christian, it's not because I'm brilliant and I got it. It's because God said, you're mine. And he illuminated your heart. He made you alive to believe the truth. And you cross that threshold and you surrender to him by his grace. And what does he reward his grace with? Even more grace. The people he has chosen as his heritage. As his heritage. This is a glory to God. We see here his plan. And we also see here that his eye, the Lord looks down. Look at verses 13 through 15. The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the children of man. And from where, from where he sits enthroned, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the heart of all of them and observes all their deeds. It is Jesus who is sitting on the throne. He is looking out the content of our praise. We praise God because Jesus is king on the throne and he is absolutely sovereign. Absolutely sovereign. Notice verse 18. It says, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love. He sees everything. And then he sets his eye on the righteous. The righteous, who we've already read, are righteous because he has done what? He has set his affection on them. He's sovereign. He's a sovereign king, the creator, the redeemer. Next, we see the content of praise is his might. The king is not saved by his great army. We could go back to Exodus 15 and Moses' song. We could go back to Judges chapter 5, where we see these great armies. The warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation, and by its great might, it cannot rescue. It can't rescue. We've read the history books. Nations rise and fall, some slowly and some quickly. Some, the most powerful nations in the world, it's possible and it's happened that they have been routed, defeated in a matter of days and weeks. What is your trust in? Oh, this is... this. Here's a song that is worthy to be sung right now because I think sometimes our affection, our trust, our hope is in these kinds of mechanisms. What does the Bible say? It's a false hope for salvation. And by its great might, it cannot rescue. Oh, there is great power there. 
but it cannot rescue. So what can rescue? Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who what? Hope in his steadfast love that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Who's the one who saves us, sustains us, sanctifies us? It is the son of the living God, Jesus the King, who we ought to set our hope, our steadfast hope in him and him alone. Right? That's what the Bible says. The Bible says that we are citizens of heaven, that we are a royal priesthood, a nation unto God. Our hope is on Jesus because of his steadfast love. These are the reasons, if you need reasons, as we look at the psalmist praising God, it's the content of his praise. I mean, where is this going? Where where is he narrowing in? He's simply narrowing in what? On the character and nature of God himself. He's occupied with who God is. A few pages back, the songbook opened up and said, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the, counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither, and all he does prosper. But the wicked are not so. They are like a mighty army who are chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in, in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And so here is the ending. The contentment. Here's the the turn, the change of heart. Oh, we've heard this exalting praise, right? It began with loud shouts. The instruments warmed up and we praise God and now the volume decreases and it ends. Oh, our soul waits for Yahweh, the Lord, Jesus. He is our help and our shield for our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us even as we hope in him. Finally, the psalmist rests in the last stanza. You see, we live in the kingdom of the reigning king, but it is not yet in its fullness. Jesus is coming again. And so we, as the people of God, we are, it befits us to be filled with joy. It befits us to give him praise. Even in the midst of what seems like famine, we know that our sustenance comes from God. Why? Because we know that we're saved from the judgment of God. 
We know that there's, there's anything good in us. It becomes from the sanctification of the Word of God. And so we rest in the hope of His promise. Praise befits the righteous. Let's pray. God, as we close our time looking at this marvelous exaltation of praise, I pray that our confidence would be in you. Lord, by your spirit, apply the text to our lives. For some of us, um, we have been bowing to false idols and altars. Oh, they're invisible, but they're very visible in our priority. And we need to clean house. and We need to exalt you above all other gods. We're trying to prove our existence by our own might. We're trusting in horses and chariots. Oh, that we would trust in the Lord our God. Lord, I pray that this psalm would work deep into our souls. And as we work through the psalms, as we work through the scriptures, that this place, this room at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock would be filled with your praise, that we would pray your praise, that we would shout your praise, sing your praise, and then fill our homes with the very same. Um, give generations that flow through these doors and out in our community confidence that Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords, that we can stand for righteousness and truth with humility and boldness, that we can love like Jesus, laying down our lives for one another, knowing that they will be taken back up into everlasting glory. Lord, help us not to live for the moment or live for the day or to live for ourselves, but to live and die for you alone. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.